Hello and welcome to the Govern This podcast. This is a political podcast for non-political people where we ask the simple and ignorant questions about our country and government and get them answered. In this episode, I talk with Dr. Chris Maxwell, Green Party candidate for the Victoria Swan Lake riding. I mean, they're not dumb questions. They're just, I'm just ignorant about it. I haven't learned anything yet. It was great to have the chance to sit down with a Chris Maxwell and have a nice relaxed chat. He's a pretty chill and likable guy. But from what I can tell by his science work, his travel, and his career background, he's a hell of a go-getter as well. So don't let his relaxed demeanor fool you. This guy can get stuff done. The first thing we cover is the sudden leap into politics, uh, where Chris mentions some family history and raising a two-year-old son and how that had an impact on his decision to get in the game along with his experience of joining a party, joining the Green Party. Sometimes an email is all it takes. It's a pretty neat story. After dabbling on the science topic for a minute, where we talk about the importance of evidence and truth, as he puts it, and we talk about the March for Science, after that we tackle the politics topic. This is where Chris talks about some of the issues he's concerned about, including childcare, mental health, the Massey Tunnel Bridge issue in Vancouver, and the Site C Dam issue in uh, BC here. Uh, That's all pretty interesting and new to me. Uh, Then, after that, we also cover a few of his thoughts on the differences between the main parties and their platforms. Um, One neat thing that he brings up at the end um, is the Greens' dedication to the proportional representation voting system. Uh, which is an alternative to our current first-past-the-post system, which I found quite interesting, as I think the the first-past-the-post system is a little wonky. So, that's a little rundown of what you're going to be listening to now. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Chris Maxwell, uh, Green Party candidate for Victoria Swan Lake, to the Govern This podcast. Welcome, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, so, I saw you guys because you moved in right beside where I work, and I thought, what a great opportunity to talk to someone who's in the thick of things right now. And then I read up a bit, and you're you are a doctor, doctor scientist kind of doctor, not a not a family doctor, not that kind. Right, exactly. PhD scientist. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So, why politics now? No, it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a great <laughs> question. It's, it's going to take a little bit to answer, but um, sure. the short answer was it, it was an emotional decision. And um, you just gave a bit of my background, but I am a scientist. Uh, I got my PhD um, 15 odd years ago, and then I did... Uh, six years of postdoctoral studies, three in Berkeley and three in Barcelona. And then about eight years ago, I started a research lab at BC Children's Hospital right. um, in the childhood cancer group. And I now co-lead that group. So um, I haven't really, I've always been politically uh, interested, right? But uh, right. not really engaged and involved in, in politics. Um, but this time around, I just, 
I just felt like I had to act. And there are a number of reasons for that. The first most important reason is, is I have a young son, you know, right. two, two and a half year old, uh, Leo. Um, so my wife and I, we, we do pretty well. We, we have a good life. Um, yeah, she has, she's a working professional as well. So, um, so, you know, some of the, the, the things that government were doing, it bothered me, but it, it didn't really bother me that, that much because our lives were good. Um, but then when you bring, I think a lot of Canadians are kind of like that. We get comfortable. Yeah. Which is what I did. Yeah, right. And but when it's your son, like when when you know, childcare for instance in BC is just abhor you know, it's it's terrible. It's it? it's a true crisis. Um healthcare, mental health, you know, um education. These things uh you know, when you look at when I when I look long term about where my son's going to be ten years, it, it just can't continue the way it is, right? Right. And then we have we have the rise of Donald Trump, which was just like a, a crazy experience. Um, but for me, it, that was set on the backdrop of of a trip that our family took last year. So I, I mentioned just briefly that that uh, we, my wife and I, had spent three years in Spain in right. Barcelona. Um, and we didn't a lot of traveling there, but one place that I'd always wanted to go to was Vimy Ridge, um, because my great grandfather, who was from Victoria, um, had fought there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so for for us uh, people who took social a long time ago, yeah. Vimy Ridge was it's this monumental battle uh, in Canadian history. So it was a hundred years ago last week, um, and basically it was a, it's just. It's a, a bit of a small hill that the, but you know, positionally important that the Germans occupied, and and a number of different uh, troops had tried to take that hill, and and they weren't able to do it, and then uh, four Can- Canadian battalions, basically four bat- battalions from uh, across the country, um, battled for that hill and and actually and won it. They took took that hill, so mm. it's talked about as as a moment in canadian history that really formed the country okay um so i had known that my grand great grandfather had been there and um i'm not a i'm not a social studies buff either i'm not a history buff right but (laughs) but it was something that i'd always wanted to do um and and a couple years ago my dad so that's my mom's side of the family my dad's side of the family is scottish right so he wanted to take him and uh, his wife and his boys and his grandkids to Scotland to see the Maxwell family castle. And uh, we had planned, yeah, we had planned to do that in 2014, but then my wife got pregnant uh, with Leo and, and we pushed it to 2016. And I thought, okay, if, if we're doing that in 2016, we're going to Scotland, then maybe we can take Leo, Leo and and do Northern France and do, you know, some of the world war one battle sites and, Specifically, see Vimy Ridge. Um, so that's that was the plan, and, and then um, before we went, I wanted to read up more because, as I mentioned, I'm not a history buff. So my mom is the family historian, and she pulled out this videotape of my great grandfather from 1983, talking about his war experience and and how his older brother had had enlisted, and uh, he. My great grandfather had tried to enlist at sixteen and he was too young. So 
but he was able to enlist at, at 17 years old. Mm. And uh, then, you know, over an hour, he, he took the person through the experience, but I'm, you know, listening, writing it out. And it was just so remarkable that, you know, boys, 17, 18, 19 year olds, um, would want to do that. Well, they did do that, right? I don't know that they wanted to, but they did. And, and just incredible. Need or- yeah, yeah, yeah. They saw that something was wrong, you know, something right. wasn't right and they acted and, and so, so he went, um, tried to get in early because his older brother was there and, and then he, he went and, and he was in one of the battalions at Vimy Bridge. His older brother was in a different one. Um, my great grandfather got shot at Vimy Ridge and had his eyesight damaged, so uh, he got shipped home. And his older brother got killed. Um, and when he got shipped home, he named his first son after his older brother Leonard. And his first son was my grandfather, and that's who I named my son after, right, right. Leo? So um, I didn't really know this, and um, so we we go to Vimy Ridge, and it was you know. A real, I don't know if you saw the monuments on the television, like the probably have at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the hundred anniversary was just a couple of weeks ago, so they showed this, you know, French monument that uh, uh, the French enacted in honor of the Canadians, and it's about eight stories high, and and wow. it's beautiful. And on the base, it's like marble, and on the base are all the names of the soldiers that died. So there's about three thousand or thirty five hundred. Um, so we got a picture of my son, who's Leonard or Leo Thomas Catania Maxwell, next to L. Thomas, to his great 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 uncle, and um, you know that trip um, really kind of stuck with me, right? And then you see the rise of what's going on in the South, and and um, you see how the current government is making decisions about our future and our kids' future, and it just you know, it got me angry and and somewhat frustrated. And then I, I just kind of sent an email uh, late at night on a Thursday night and uh, asking the Green Party, you know, if, if I could run as a candidate for them or if, if they could send me, actually specifically if they could send me some information about, you know. What how to do that. How to do that. Yeah, because yeah, I, I mean, so I had never been a member of a political party had never contributed to a political party. I'd always voted. Um, but yeah, I had no insight into that. Mm-hmm. Process. Well, I'd, like, I'd like to get into later what you think the, some, some of the specific things um, currently that you're worried about that need to change. You mentioned right. um, healthcare and childcare and stuff like that. Um, but first, yeah, I wanted to ask you about, how do you become part of a party? Like, as you said, you didn't have a political background in anything. Um, What did you say earlier when you first got here? Your, your real life is cellular. Yeah. The minutia of the cell division. (laughs) Yeah. That's my my real life. Yeah. Yeah. So how does, how do you, you just send an email and ask? That's exactly what (laughs) I did. I just sent an email Thursday night, 11 o'clock at night. And I, uh, well, I went to their website and I saw that they had the candidate application form. So I sent an email. Um, I noticed that where I was living, they they were looking for candidates. And so this is Vancouver. This is Vancouver, okay. right? So I, I contacted them about running in 
Vancouver Fairview. And uh, so I sent that Thursday night and then woke up Friday morning and I looked at my wife and said, guess what I did? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? She didn't know? <laughs> no, no, well, no. Seriously, it was like, it was one of these things where you just... Did she know that it was brewing in your no, mind? No, nobody at all. Nobody, yeah. And I didn't know really? it was brewing in my mind. It was, it was really just <laughs> like it's. It wasn't in my nature to do something like that. But uh, so yeah, I, I told her, and she's like, "Oh, well, okay, good for you." Like she's super supportive, right? So because um, I, I, I don't think either of us. I know neither of us knew. When. What are you getting into? <laughs> yeah, getting into. And I don't think either of us even really expected that it would go much further than that email, right? Okay. So, um, but yeah, on my email, like I sent it from my children's account, so it got it has my credentials your, and stuff. Your like children's that. BC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So it has has you know my credentials, and and right. I thought maybe I'd get a nibble from that, right? I, mm-hmm. I didn't know. So actually, that weekend was um, was Chinese New Year's. So the BC Green Party leader Andrew Weaver was in Vancouver, but the weekend was also the weekend that Donald Trump, you know, out of the blue, implemented this immigration ban, right? And that was a pretty. I mean, that hit us, my wife and I, I think, close to heart because we both lived as foreigners you know we both we both lived in the states and that's not really foreigner but uh no but you could see how something like that would could affect you if you weren't well yeah so so we'd lived in the states we lived in spain and and my wife runs uh runs a sales team a a national sales team and, and one of her star performers she had put up for a promotion to go down to the head office in the states so and uh, Leia, uh, she had a long boyfriend. They got married um, when she got the job in the states because he was Persian, right? So, okay. um, so they were traveling that day, and Iran, oh. Iran's on the list, right? So, so in real time, we were we were living this experience, um, and it was just it was just shocking, kind of that that could happen in a society like ours. Um, so when that was also that day on, on Saturday, so I didn't hear anything. I sent them an email Thursday night, nothing Friday. Saturday, I got an email from Andrew Weaver, um, leader of the Green Party, asking if I'd like to sit down and chat about running. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you're reaching out. But yeah, of course, I'll sit down and I'll chat with you. And so... Uh, we made a time to meet at a bar Sunday night and had a couple of beers and and he's just you know a really engaging guy like he's a uh, he's a scientist as well so we an academic we connected on that level but we also saw you know eye to eye on on what was happening in our politics and what okay. uh, what needed to change you know um, so yeah we can we can discuss areas that that we need to improve but but what i really strongly felt and what andrew really strongly felt was that um we need to improve how decisions are made in our politics right so okay you may or may not know that that andrew um as the leader of the greens last year said that uh the green party would no longer accept donations from corporations and unions so okay 
that for me is is the number one important well because that's a big step. problem isn't it it's absolutely a big yeah. problem you know like even on a subconscious level not not to throw stones at anybody but even on a subconscious level if if somebody gives you something you're indebted to them it's just yeah. the way it's just the way we are as humans you know yeah. like it's just fundamentally um so we got to get that out you know and and one of our other political parties you know says okay this is wrong um we got to get it out but then they continue to do it and the other political because they're probably thinking well how can i compete if i don't yeah but it's crap you know like in fact the arguments that they say is that they need to take it in order to enact a law to ban it and it's kind of like you know, murder's bad. That group's killing seven people a year, so we need to kill three. Anyway, that's a bad analogy. <laughs> I know but what you're trying you, to say. You know that. what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you can't, you can't justify that. Just um, decide to change it. Exactly, yeah. and and they. So I think they really missed the boat because if they had followed the Green Party lead and banned it, the NDP, if they had taken that step and acted on their principles, then that would have put incredible pressure on the Liberals. You know, like well, that's yeah, that'd be two of you there. Yeah, you, like so, um, and it would also solve, I think, a lot of the NDP's problems or some of the issues that they have with how they make decisions because there's a lot of overlap between the social values of the BC Green Party and the BC NDP. Um, You know, both parties, I think, believe fundamentally that that a social safety net is very important and that we're Mm -hmm. only as strong as our, you know, our weakest link or our least, our most vulnerable. Um, But I truly believe that that the NDP are, are somewhat encumbered because even though they have this really strong core belief system they have also this very strong and powerful union base right corporate union base so when their belief system comes in in conflict with their with a profit motive then the ndp is sort of paralyzed because they can't really choose one path right okay because if they go one way they're going to offend their their social democrats and if they go the other way they're going to offend their their corporations so that really paralyzes them so often what they do to to overcome this is is they'll they'll ask for a third party to to make the decision right so they'll ask for a commission or or a council to come together and and people i don't know if people consciously see that but i think subconsciously people see that they don't really lead you know um well yeah if if that's how it is then it seems like if you're they don't seem like the maybe the you know I, I don't know i i'm still learning about all the parties i don't really know right. but yeah if you have someone in power power i know it's, it's a bad word for canada but no it's um, absolute power like abs- yeah. you know yeah when 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 they have a majority in the legislature they have absolute power yeah, okay yeah yeah go. so so you want to have someone there who can make a decision right not who's wishy-washy all the time yeah, so like I'd, be, I'd be terrible in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> well, the one thing you can say about the liberals is they can make a decision and they are not wishy washy, right? Like, yeah. I, I do not have align with their value system at all. I think it's, it's fundamentally flawed. Um, but they act, they take action and, and they don't apologize for it and, and they move in, in one direction. And, and 
unfortunately, I think they're taking us in the wrong direction. Um, and fortunately for uh, BC, I think the BC Greens have a opposing vision and we're not encumbered by commitments to, to donors. Um, right. So like we can podcast. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolute freedom. <laughs> right. Well, as long as the people agree, right? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Anyways, uh, right. So I, I met with. So yeah, lost lost the train there. But um, met with Andrew. I die on the visions, and um, you know, second beer comes up, and and we start talking about the nitty gritty of. Of running for politics, right? Because uh, I don't know anything about it. Um, and uh, in that conversation, it came up that they hadn't yet declared a candidate for Victoria Swan Lake, which is, you know, where I was born and raised. And right. Okay. So, oh, hold on. Tried something there. It didn't work. <laughs> okay. So, Victoria Swan Lake. So, the one that you had talked about first. Right. Was they already had someone for or no, 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 they didn't. It was, it was available, but, um, we, we were talking about, the, you know, that riding and, and, and me running in Vancouver and, and whom I would be going up against. And it was, uh, a guy, a fella, NDP fella named George Heyman. I hope I said that right. Um, who was like a Sierra club president and, and seemed okay. like a, a decent fella. And, um, and we were, we were talking about the specifics of what that would be like. And and then um, Andrew mentioned that they were still looking for a candidate here in Victoria Swan Lake and and uh, and that I didn't have to currently reside in the riding to, to run. Um, that was one thing I was going to ask about. Yeah. How, yeah. How that works. So, <laughs> so I, so as soon as he said that, I was like, Oh, well sign me up. Cause I would love to run in my home right yeah. and and um if i get elected i would love to to move my family back right so um you know i would love to have leo grow up with his cousins and his grandma and grandpa and just the whole right. the whole process that we've been going through the last six weeks it's just been amazing for him to get that time right so so at that point when when he said that i was like oh yeah okay that's let's let's do that and um or Let's investigate that because yeah. they had to do the vetting of me and, and um, well, because the party. So if he's interested, if I, I am guessing how this works properly, you kind of get suggested or nominated by someone or something, and then the people in the party, right? Yeah, you get like elect. Well, you get each vetted, person yeah. to. Yeah, so I had to put in a nomination package, right. and um, so exactly. So we were just we were just chatting about different different options, and I, you know, expressed my interest in Victoria Swan Lake, and he's like, "Okay, well, you can put in you can put in your nomination package." And while they were evaluating that, of course, I had to, you know, talk with my wife, and and um, because it was becoming a reality, and or the potential of a reality and, and then also talk with UBC and, and BC Children's Hospital, right? Right, because you had two surprises for your wife. A, you sent the email, yeah. and now you might move. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. Her her job is, so her job wasn't a hurdle because she she covers Canada, so if oh, okay. she can be in Vancouver, Victoria, doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, 
So, but for me, I had to make sure that it was okay um, with BC Children. So, how how would that work if if you did if you were elected? Yeah. So I had to go through that. So part of the conversation that I had with Andrew was about how because he he's a scientist, a climate scientist, he's a professor at UB or at UVic. So I wanted to talk to him about how he made that um, transition four years ago, and. Um, and then I, you know, I went and approached um, my department chair at UBC, so the chair of uh, pediatrics, and then also the executive director of uh, BC Children's Hospital Research. Um, and both of them were, you know, incredibly supportive. So we're, uh, I mentioned briefly what's going down in the States. We're in this time period right now, and, and actually, um, tomorrow, Saturday, twenty second, is a march for science. Right? Oh, um, is it? Oh. Yeah, we're in this time period where scientists are realizing that that um, we have to speak out and, and become political and and talk about the importance of evidence and the the um, the importance of you know truth or or facts over alternative facts, you know, and um, so there's this awareness among scientists that that we should be, you know, being engaged a little bit more and and maybe spend not so much time in, in a lab and, and a little okay. bit more time in yeah. the community. Well, you know, what's interesting when you're talking about, asking me about podcasts before is a few of the ones I listen to are science-based and mm-hmm. they're they're constantly blowing my mind. Right. You know, and yeah, like I was a musician growing up. I didn't care in school, like, and politics either. But right now it's like science is so amazing. I wish I knew about it. Right. So I can see how, it, and it's, it's good to get out there too, to tell us what's going on. Yeah. So science is pretty amazing and all all areas of science are pretty amazing and and actually it's very important for the economy but but uh, uh, it's not immediate like uh, businesses right, right? Yeah. and and because it doesn't have that immediacy uh, it's funding is getting cut really severely um, and that started federally I think under Harper and and um, well, and if I understand right, in order to have get the funding, you got to like come up with something. You got to write a paper about something to get. So it's like, yeah, like gotta, there's the pressure yeah. well, to succeed, but that's not really how science yeah, works. Well, okay, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you, you nailed it right there. So, um, so you have to get grants. You have to get money, and 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 these competitions. I've sat on, you know. I don't know, 30 review panels, something like that. Um, and we'll see 30 to 40 grant applications and, and we'll fund three to four of them. Right. Like, wow. um, but out of 30 to 40, there's 28 excellent ones. And there's like, must be tough. Yeah. There's two or three that are kind of like, uh, you know, this is, wasn't well thought out, but, but yeah, I mean, there's really good, things out there and when it gets so competitive then it becomes um becomes part of the the decision making process becomes how 
How likely is this science to be successful, right? And that should never really be a question that you ask about science because makes business in with it. And then, yeah, because then you're just taking baby steps, right? Yeah. Like you, you start you start weeding out the real, true, innovative stuff because it's too risky and and there's not a guaranteed return. Right. Um, and really, that's actually the science that that you want probably to to move forward, but. I mean, when you have so many good things to to evaluate and, and one is risky and the other ones are like, well, you know, this is a continuation of what the scientist has done, then you generally go to right. yeah. the least risky one. So, um, so yes, science is uh, becoming more and more competitive, which, which is pushing it further and further away, I think, from discovery and innovation and and scientists are seeing, you know, how the political, how politicians are kind of really shaping scientific, okay. you know, scientific discourse. And so, and, is that what this march is kind of about? To well, I think this march is is a reaction. Well, it's, it's started in the states, and and I think some of, at its roots, we're trying to get scientists more politically active, um, and um, but. Yeah, it's it's about funding, but it's also about freedom and academic freedom and and um, yeah. So uh, when I approached when I approached the, the my chair department chair, she was you know very supportive. And when I approached the the director of BC Children's Hospital Research, she was incredibly supportive. So I got the green light from both of them, and then I talked to all my colleagues, and and you know everybody was. Also very supportive. I was also having to answer this why question many times, and and I, you know, it was it was sort of a hard question to answer because it was more of a gut decision than because right. honestly, um, our my specific research program is really exciting for me right now, and and well, the, yeah, so so it's child cancer or something, or, yeah, and blood. Childhood, it's a so so it's a childhood cancer and blood research group. Okay, so my lab is one lab in that larger group, um, and and my lab, we've got uh, three or four papers right now that are are coming to a close, and 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 I'm really proud of the work that that they've all done on it, and I think some of it is, well, I think all of it is significant. Some of it is is potentially very significant. Um, but then the larger group, we've got some some group projects that are just starting to get go, and and they are fantastic. You know, like really exciting. Some stuff that we're going to bring to BC Kids that um, I, th- I think is is going to be you know very impactful. I, you know, it's it's hard when you talk about this stuff because often scientists uh, part of the competition thing is sometimes they overstate you know, impact. Right. Right. Um, so you don't want to show worth kind of thing. Yeah. You don't want to overstate impact, but, but we've, we've got a couple of programs that will come. Hopefully we'll start this year. Um, that could be nice, could be impactful. So, so how does it, when you said you talked to the people at the hospital and you're talking to Andrew, how does it look with, cause my view of it is, 
or was, I don't, I'm, it's constantly changing now as I learn more, is that an MLA, like, that's the one thing you do because you have lots to do. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, do you, or do they have another job usually or what? No, no, no. That is the one thing. That, okay. So, that, that's the one, that's the thing that, that I had to clear was um, how would, would my lab um, maintain momentum in my absence? And, right. And we worked through that um, with PC Children's, and and um, and part of that is also just the the maturity of of my lab members. You know, like I've got a, a very good group of, and you trust them, and they're yeah, good. they're really doing they're doing good stuff, and they're highly independent. Um, and I've got my lab set up online, so I can I can track you know, their results in real time. And we got Skype and stuff like that. So that just this morning we have weekly lab meetings and I just Skype with them. So you'll um, still be a part of it. It just won't be your full time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I won't, I will be um, on leave from that or, or we will reduce my, my commitment to that official, my official commitment. Right. But, but you, you know, still get your fix. There's hours in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's not. Some, I mean, it's not something that I want to. It's not something that I would leave um, behind. But, yeah. but saying that, I would be devoting my my principal time to being, you know, working for the community, right? Um, and moving, hopefully, towards some of these issues that are are very important to me, and that's you know, changing how government's making decisions. Well, why don't we get into that? Where um, do you want to talk about the differences in the parties first, or do you want to talk about what you think needs to be changed? Sure. We well, let's do the differences in the parties, I All guess. Right. And and um, you mentioned and, a bit about like the liberals are really good at acting, and yeah. I actually heard someone say that once. He was a professor, and he said that on the far right, it's they're really good at doing and getting stuff done, but they don't feel a lot <laughs> and on the right. far left. They feel, but sometimes they have trouble acting and getting it going. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, I, okay. So let's, let's address that. Um, and these are my opinions. Um, so take them with a grain of salt, but sure. um, for my life and I think probably for yours, there's been this concept of tr trickle down economics um, and this concept is that if, if in a jurisdiction like a province or a country, um, you make a situation where corporations or industry can can excel and do really well, um, then the wealth that they accumulate, these corporations, the wealth that they accumulate, will trickle down to the general population, either in the form of jobs or or whatever it is. Okay. So. Basically, this Reagan economic perception is that if we just increase gross domestic product, GDP, this economic measure, then everyone's going to be fine. You okay. Um, so Reagan was right, I'm guessing? Yeah. Okay. Um, but but uh, that's been proven false. I mean, and and... The proof is that we see so much more income inequality now than we've ever could imagine, right? The wealthy are just getting wealthier, like extraordinarily wealthy. And the, the middle class is, is 
moving down the the ladder. So so you have that that trickle down concept, um, which means that that government should be supporting industry and, and subsidizing it to some extent. And then also for industry to to excel, we need to reduce taxes, right? Like they should pay less. They should make more and pay less. So that they can, okay, I get it. So that it's just optimal for them, right? So that they'll grow and then everything will trickle down and we'll all be fine. Um, and most people hear low taxes and they think, okay, great, because I don't have to pay anything in April or I have to pay less. But they don't really think taxes equals services, right? Taxes equals the fire department and the sewage system and the police department and the roads and the mental health and the hospitals right. and the, you know, the teachers and all of this stuff, right? So right. they just think bad, less bad, good, right? They don't think less well, service we're kind of in an uh our culture right now is kind of in an immediacy culture right, right. like i don't want to well that's like savings hard you know <laughs> but it, yeah yeah it's yeah because like, but i want a coffee now so <laughs> yeah well it's hard because because it's getting harder too because this trickle down down economics is is a failed system it's, and and the problem is it's gonna it's it's on the verge i believe of collapsing on itself the only thing that's really supporting it right now is debt because because corporations need customers right so so if you take all the money out of out of the citizens pockets then who's your consumer right exactly so now we've got this crazy debt inflation right like everybody's carrying massive amounts on their credit cards or home equity loans or yeah. whatever, right? Um, so, yeah. Anyways, so it's a failed policy, in my opinion, but it's one that is believed by many people, and it's certainly believed by the BC Liberals. Okay. And so the BC Liberals have a very clear vision, that is to maximize GDP and minimize taxes. And they... so. What you were saying before about the right acting and the left sort of, you know, Kneeling and you know, being being meandering or or not making decisions is true, um, but but there's some subtlety there. So the right has a vision; it's going to go one way, and it goes there. Um, that's the BC Liberals, in my opinion. Okay, the BC NDP, they really, as I, I mentioned before, they're really stuck between two two um polls so one poll is not corporations but the people within the corporations the unions within the corporations right, right. so those unions are kind of surrogates for the corporations like the union needs needs business to do well right right yeah otherwise so they're going to be pro-business so they're going to want to to follow this path that right, that's a good point. This trickle down path, right? They're they're gonna want that. So and, yeah, because they kind of want the trickle down. Otherwise, there's no point for the union because there's no there's no jobs. jobs. Yeah, that's what they that's. But they want the people who are there to be treated well and equal. And exactly. So it's it's, it's kind of it's not as bad, but it's still not very good. But, it's not addressing the problem. It's just helping yeah. make it open. Yeah, livable. So they 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 have some service to the corporations or corporate unions, 
but then they also have this social democrat thing where they're like okay trickle down is not right what we actually have to do is increase services you know we have to have better school systems we have to have better education healthcare mental health because in the long run those things pay for themselves and are excellent investments right um but those two those two sides whenever something comes up like uh, are you from vancouver island uh, originally alberta but i've been here for a while for a while so uh, so for instance the example i always bring up is clockwatch sound which is near tofino right um and in the 90s the ndp took power for 10 years and one of the first things that they did was they gave a forestry company called McMillan Blodell um, two-thirds of the old-growth forest, logging rights to two-thirds of the old-growth forest in Clackwatt Sound. Um, and then there's the biggest um, civil unrest demonstration in Canadian history, which, which stopped that. <laughs> but why would the NDP make that decision, right? Like, why would they do that? Because they knew that that would offend their social democrat base, but... They also had to, they had to um, satisfy their their corporate union forestry base, right? So the, the NDP were kind of stuck there, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if they give logging rights, then then people are going to be upset. But if they don't, then the forestry companies are going to be upset. So they're sort of pulled two ways. So what they always do is they they send it to a different commission or a commission, right? They send it to a commission or a council and the commission and the council says, well, actually you need to give those forestry job or forestry jobs. You need to give that um, McMillan Bodell the right to, to cut that forest. Right. So that gives the NDP a note, but you can see how that would take time, right? You mm-hmm. can see how they're sort of, they can't really say, okay, cut the forest or, no, don't cut it. Well, it seems like the committees that they go to are the real party. Well, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the real right. leadership. So people would say, well, okay, that happened 25 years ago. But you see it right now. You see it absolutely right now. So we have this crazy-ass dam called Site C, which is costing $10 billion to do something that we don't need it. We don't need the power. Um, it was it was as a subsidy for the LNG industry. Um we absolutely must stop that. So is this on the island? No, no, or? sorry. This is in northern BC. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, so one of the things, one of the um, industries that the BC liberals want for BC is um, liquefied natural gas. Um, but And four years ago, they made a long-term plan that BC would generate a lot of wealth from liquefied natural gas. But then what happened was everybody in the world, Russia, Iran, everybody found massive reservoirs of natural gas, right? And the price just plummeted. Oh, okay. So, so BC can't make it for the cost that they can sell it for. So the, the companies don't want to come here. So the BC government says, Oh, well, we'll give you very cheap, cheap, cheap electricity. Right. So to, to get this cheap, cheap, cheap electricity for these companies that don't exist, hmm. they need to build a dam, a $10 billion dam. Um, and and the BC Greens are clear. They're like, that's the silliest idea ever economically, but also environmentally, because that dam is going to 
flood, you know, um, agricultural land, land, and it's also a terrible thing with the the native population because the government didn't really negotiate with them. They just I'll made this. Into that. I don't oh, it's terrible, man. It's it's awful. So ten billion dollars. This is how I explain it to people. It's like. Uh, Imagine a $100 million coin, okay? That's a lot of money, you know? <laughs> yeah. 100 million bucks, that's a lot of money, so that's a big toonie. So the BC Liberals fought our teachers for 16 years um, about class size and composition, about how many kids are going to be in a class and okay. whether or not special needs kids are in the class or not. Um, so the, the 12... 16 years they went to the supreme court of canada the bc teachers won and that and the settlement for that was 300 million dollars right so that's three of those 100 million dollar coins they fought our teachers for 12 to 16 years sightsee dam 10 billion dollars is a hundred 100 million dollar coins you know like it's a crazy amount of money right like um and we don't and it's it's just waste it's just we don't need that we don't need that power we don't it we don't need that dam we don't need any of it right but but uh so the liberals obviously want it because it's a big subsidy to corporations and 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 it's a way to make taxpayers pay for it but the ndp and the ndp can't come out strongly against it because they need to support their their union base right huh that is a tough thing for them it's a tough thing for them, but it's it's a simple thing for for people, right? So BC Greens are like, no, this is stupid. Stop, just okay. stop it, right? And, and and but the NDP says, oh, well, we have to take it to the BC Energy Commission, let them decide, you know. Like, um, and same thing with there's this. I don't know if you know the Massey Tunnel in Vancouver. Uh which one's that? So it's the- it's a tunnel between Richmond and Delta. Is it the underwater one? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it goes underneath the Fraser River, and um, and estimates are that it'll be good for fifty to seventy years. But but it's also, I mean, Vancouver's growing, everywhere's growing. There's a lot of congestion, right? Yeah. So they need to move people better. Um, so the most cost-effective way to do it is to to twin the tunnel to make another tunnel beside it, right? Okay. It's going to be five to $700 million, uh, which is a lot of money, but but um, it'll move people faster. But the BC Liberals don't want to do that. They want to make a bridge. They want to make a $4.5 billion bridge. And, um, and the reason why, in my opinion, they want to make the bridge is they want to industrialize the Fraser. So, so... The tunnel goes underneath the Fraser River. Right, so you can't have massive... You can't have big ships going over top the tunnel. Right. you got to get rid of the tunnel so you can dredge the Fraser to get the big ships up um, up the Fraser. So if you, so, would it be bad to have them in there? Like to have the ships in there? Yeah. Well, the speculated reason they need the, the ships up there is to move the gas from the LNG, right? Which isn't even going to be yeah. there. But okay. but the problem is that you know that river is is like an estuary or it uh, supports a salmon run right like okay. like we can't just take out the bottom of the river. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I'm getting from this so far is that the difference is kind of like liberals seem to go to extremes with 
decisions and they're not necessarily decisions that are the best decision. Well, it depends on it, 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 it depends on your perspective. So they go, they have a right. vision, and the decisions that they make are the best for their vision. So their vision is to make corporations wealthy and to reduce taxes. Right. So, okay. so that dam is a great decision to make a corporation very wealthy because that dam will give cheap or free electricity to corporations and give them the advantage on the market that they need to sell their goods, right? So then what about the argument with uh, it'll give, make jobs? Well, it will make jobs, but yeah. but do we need a thousand jobs when it costs us $10 billion? You know, like how much, how much do we it's need? It's not equaling out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so they, they also, they have one, they have one LNG plant or plans for one LNG plant, wood fiber LNG. And I've heard Andrew Weaver talk about this. So I know this number. Um, so for LNG to work, uh, to be cost effective, they need to have not free electricity, but highly subsidized, low, low rates of electricity. So the amount of subsidy per job is $440,000 per year. So you'll get 100 jobs, right? But it will cost you $44 million, you know? Like, do we need 100 jobs for $44 million? Like, it doesn't it? It seems like we could do something a better little bit money. better than that, yeah. you know? Like, like pay for like give people's those university. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you can give those. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. It's it's nuts. So so they do wrap it in the bow of oh yeah this makes this makes jobs right. yeah site C employs two thousand people well okay two thousand people is costing. 10 billion dollars <laughs> like like you know we're talking about a hundred a hundred million dollar coins for two thousand jobs really like so so the thing with the green party then would be that you, your difference of viewpoint would be we're not going to make decisions that are going to just cost us a bunch of money and aren't good for the people trying to live day to day Well, that's exact. So the vision, so you have one vision about maximizing GDP, maximizing basically the health of corporations. You have the NDP who, who sort of have their feet in both sides. Right. And then you have the Greens whose vision is to maximize the health and well-being of people. Okay. You know, um, maximize people's quality of life. And you'll, you'll see from our candidates, um, that, We've got small business women, small business men. We've got a tech company CEO. We've got PhD scientists. We, you know, we got the whole spectrum of people. We're not it's a variety of yeah. We're not lifestyles. a bunch of you know crackpots here, right? We're just saying, look, let's be rational and 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 um, we need. We know we need economy, right? Like so, I've yeah. got six employees, students, and and technicians in my lab, you know. Okay. So I know that small business is, is tough, you know, mm-hmm. and is critical and important. You can't have health and well-being without a strong economy, right? Like, we want to support an economy, but but we don't want to support multinationals. We don't want, we don't believe in 
trickle down, you know. So we're fewer in charge kind of thing. And yeah, we feel bottom up, you know, like okay. fill, fill the bottom, lift all boats, right? Don't, don't, you know, fill the top and have them move it overseas or wherever the heck they're going to move it, right? Same problem then. Yeah, like, like, uh, so instead of building a $10 billion dam that we don't need, why don't we put $8.5 billion into early childhood education, into public school education, into lifelong learning, so post-secondary education? So the BC Green Plan would say, why are we just educating people from five years old to 17? That doesn't make any sense. No. You know, like, why not educate them from birth to death? You know, or, or like, give them give them the opportunity. These are the taxpayers of tomorrow, right? Like, our, yeah. our kids are, are who's going to pay for our our retirement? You know, yeah. like, what, what doesn't make any sense to to commit all these resources to a, to a, a dam that we don't need and rob our kids of what they do need and rob ourselves, our future selves, you know, of... Yeah of that economy like um yeah just it just doesn't make any sense so um yeah this all right so so there's a good uh so i guess those are kind of the same issues that you're talking about that need to change then so what we're talking about as far as needing to change is is there's a lot of these issues out there right so you know, site C is one issue and Massey Bridge is one issue and mental health is one issue. And, you know, the fentanyl crisis is, is one issue. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, our, our kids, childcare is one issue. It's just like, you know, dozens or hundreds of issues. And we can focus on each of these individual issues and, and try to, you know, put a bandaid on them. Um, but until we change fundamentally how decisions are made, we're not we're not going to really okay. change it, right? So, so if we we are always making decisions based on what the corporations or the corporate unions want, right? Then then these symptoms, um, even if we address one of them, three more will pop up, right? You know, okay. like so. What we got to do is we got to remove the influence of corporations and corporate unions. Like, we just got to ban that money. They should have, they have no role in our decision-making process, like, to stop it. And mm. that's, you know, that's why I align so strongly with Andrew Weaver and the BC Greens, because they, they did it, right? And then the second issue is we got to change what's going on in the legislature. So, so the way we have it is, is if... You know, we have all these ridings and individuals compete with each other or parties compete with each other to represent one riding. There's 87 ridings. So if one party gets 44 of those ridings, um, then they can make all the decisions, right? They have they have 50 plus 1% of the vote. Okay. So they don't. I haven't nailed down how all that works yet, but I, I kind of get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that's the minority or the. The majority, majority yeah, right, right, right. So say, let's let's talk about numbers that make sense. Let's talk about 20, 20 people, right? And, and let's say that twenty people were in the legislature. Well, if eleven of eleven of them are BC NDP and nine of them are BC Liberal, 
then the 11 of them just make all their decisions. They don't have to. Because they're majority. Yeah, they don't have to talk to the liberals. They don't. They don't have to do anything. They just decide. Well, we want to build that, or we don't want to build that, or whatever. Which is crazy because basically almost half and half. Yeah, it's nuts. It's really <laughs> stupid, but um, it's the way that it's set up. And um, and often what is even sillier is that, like like what we see in the states um, where Hillary Clinton gets more votes. She had more votes than Donald Trump, right? Right. But Donald Trump got more seats. Or, well, uh, that's I guess because when I did the one on voting a couple episodes ago, I learned about the first past the post thing, right? And when I first learned about that, I was just chatting with my friend, and it blew my mind because I was like, "Well, that doesn't seem right. Like it makes sense, right? It doesn't make sense. So, so that's <laughs> it. Doesn't make any sense. So it doesn't. So." What's happened in BC, and just talk about the last six elections, 24 years, um, is in five of those six elections, or in one of those six elections, one one party, the BC Liberals, got 54% of the vote, and they had 96% of the seats. But anyways, they got 54% of the vote, so... So they had the right to to be a majority because you know right. most of the people voted for them. So yeah. okay, that's fair. They make the laws now, but five out of the six times, the one party got thirty nine to forty six percent of the vote in those five times, and that party with thirty nine to forty six percent of the vote had all the power. And that does not make sense. You know, right. you can't have a party being being voted. By a minority of the people having all of the power, you know, nobody would design a system that way. Yeah, it's illogical. So we need to change that system because, because you know, I was just talking about the three parties, and, and there's a fourth. You know, there's the conservatives, and then there's a bunch of independents. But um, none of the parties, even though I personally agree more with the BC Greens than any other party, I can admit that the BC Greens don't have all the answers, right? I can admit that that a system should have the BC Greens talking with the BC Liberals or the BC NDP or the BC Conservatives in order to make a decision. Well, it seems like when I talked to Jeremy Loveday on my last episode about how the cities run, because he's on the Victoria City Council, he talked about how all the people on the council, it's its more of um, they're elected by who they are. Right. It's not so much based on their parties. political parties, right. right? So they get a bunch of different people in there with different views, yeah. which is a great way to make good decisions, it seems. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, that it just makes sense. It just makes sense that, that you should have some communication, some collaboration, and some compromise. Like, it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but So is that something that the Greens, if they came into power, would look at doing? Yes. So okay. the BC Greens have talked about instituting proportional representation. So ba- basically what proportional representation does is that you have the election exactly the same as you have it right now. Um but what happens is at the end, after the election happens, you look at, at the seats in the legislature and you say, do they match the popular vote? Like, right. if the popular vote has 
one party with 40%, does that party have 40% of the legislature seats? And, and you know, it won't. So, so what happens is that then you balance that power to, to be proportional to the popular vote. Okay. And there's a, there's ways to do that. Um, and what the BC Greens would do would probably ask the citizens of BC, how would you best want to balance that power? But we've committed to move towards proportional representation. Yeah. Well, when I talked about the voting, I found out that we, we did have a, a referendum a while, like 12 sure years did. ago or something. Yeah, yeah, tw- and, and I was like, I didn't even know about it. Yeah, t- <laughs> so it was probably something I didn't understand. And I just said, well, no, change weird. Yeah, me out. No, no, no. You that's know? exactly. So we had a, a proportional representation vote on 2005. It was the first vote was 59% said, yes, we switch. And, and there was some arbitrary cutoff that it had to be 60%. Um, so they said, oh, we have to have another referendum. Right. Uh, but the th- problem with referendums, and this is what the BCNDP are proposing, is that we have a refer- another referendum. The problem with it is that people don't trust government. Right. So if they if if they see you know if if they see the government wants to change something, they'll be like, no way. Well, exactly, exactly what I probably did is yeah. I saw it and I was like, why do they want to change it? Why What's they, wrong with how it is? Nothing wrong with it. But I didn't understand <laughs> how it was. Right. So I think that's what I want to do with this podcast is show people how things work. Right. So that because as soon as I figured out how the voting system works, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. And. <laughs> And then I realized I had a chance to. <laughs> and and here's the thing also with referendums is is um they're not close. It's not like a closed system, right? So it will. T- so you say, okay, we're going to have a referendum. Three months from now, we're going to have a referendum. That gives um, people or corporations or unions or whatever int- special interests three months to pepper the ads with, right. you know, this is BS. Why do they want to change it? It's, we have a perfectly fine system. It's going to cost us more money or it's going to increase our taxes. We need to say no or whatever, right? Because honestly, the current system works pretty good for for big business. Right. You know, like it, it does. And, and part of the reason, so now the NDP are saying that they're for proportional representation, but but uh, 2005, during that referendum, John Horgan said, oh, we don't need it. You know, we right. don't. And it, in my opinion, it was most likely because he thought the NDP would win again. He didn't think that the NDP would go on a 16-year oh. losing streak, right? The NDP had had a 12-year winning streak. And then they lost for four years, right? And he probably thought, oh. We're going to turn around. So why give up power? Yeah, yeah. Why give up our future power when? Yeah. Anyway. So, so with with what the green is talking about doing is they would be like, it's going to change. We're going to change it. It wouldn't yeah. be a referendum on should we change it. It'd right. be we're going to we'll change, change it. it. How would you like to change it? So okay. So then people will be like, well, I got to pay attention now because something's changing. Well, yeah. I mean, and and I think it's different now because the federal government made a promise to change. Uh, Trudeau made a promise to change, and then he yeah. just rescinded that. Right, mm-hmm. he just backtracked because, I mean, my personal opinion is he didn't like the system that that was being proposed. Right, he want he wanted a different system. 
So different systems are going to are going to give different parties more or less advantage, right? Right. Anyways, that's a whole nother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh well, that's interesting. It's good to know. I didn't know. So so if you could sum up kind of the green platform or whatever yeah. or or if you want to do it in a different kind of a a view. Well, actually, I have one more question before that if if Sure, you, we can do it. Yeah, maybe quick because yeah, okay. quickly. Well, one thing I was wondering is what you. I know you're not an MLA, yeah. yet, but what do you kind of envision the job, like the perfect view of it would be? Like what if you could make your job description? Right. So I think I think it has, I think it has various hats that you, you need to wear. Um, so the one is is I think for all of these hats. One of the things that we need to to go back to is I would be a proponent of of banning the use of politician. We just get rid of that word <laughs> and talk about public servants, right? That's, the change is a big, you, you know, know, like because um, members of the legislative assembly are public servants. You know, politicians is it's, it's like they. I think you get this connotation or you get this image that. You need to be political, and political means you need to be confrontational, and and it pit, and it's it's a political party. It, it, you're you're aligning with a political right. party, right? Public servant means that you're servicing the public. You know, you're you're. I like that, and that's what they are. That's what yeah. they should be, right? Yeah. So, as a public servant, you should be working with your constituents. You should be engaging your constituents and voting on their behalf. In the in the legislature, uh, politicians is going to be voting with the political party, which right. they do right now, like yeah. okay. always, right? So, so then the second hat is is to to um, vote in the legislature and 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 draft and and evaluate bills and and that sort of stuff. Um, and then you know, a third hat is is to I believe to caucus and and uh, meet with meet with other members of the party and, and, um, yeah. Um, so basically just manage the business of, of the province. Um, but your view would be more of like being there for the people as opposed to being there for like your party. I mean, well, you still have to be there for the party, but no, it's absolutely currently they're absolutely there for the party. So yeah. currently, if, so I, I mean, if you look at how these MLAs vote, they all vote if they're in, the NDP, they all vote exactly the same, you know? And yeah. You can't vote exactly the same on every measure. There's no way that the constituents of Victoria Swan Lake see everything exactly the same as the constituents of Vancouver Point Grey. Right. You know, like... So so your view is that it should be different because you're... Uh, absolutely. You're there for that location where you're... You're absolutely there for that location. That's that's. This sounds a little crazy, <laughs> Doctor Chris. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit mad. All right, well, I like that. Um, one other thing before you go. So you're going to knock on some doors now, right? Exactly. So I'm gonna let you do like a spiel here. What do you What do you say when you go knock on the door? What's your well, the first thing I so well, the first it. thing I do is I introduce myself. I'm like I'm Chris Maxwell, I'm your BC Greens candidate for Victoria Swan Lake. And then generally I'm canvassing with someone, so um, I'll introduce that person. Um, 
And then the first question I always ask is, will you vote this election? And mm-hmm. that's a, a critical question because we're getting fewer and fewer people voting. You know, uh, turnout is 55, 50%. What? It's sad, right? It's crazy. So will you vote this election? And, and most times people say, yeah, probably or or, um, or absolutely or whatever. Um, and then I, we always have like this card that has our, our face on it and, and a few things about what we believe in. And I ask them, you know, have you considered the BC Greens? And, and in Victoria Swan Lake, you know, 95 times out of 100, they'll say, oh, yeah, I have, you know, okay. or, um, six times, you know, 60 times out of 100, they'll be undecided. And, um, and we have we have a lot of support, but um, but I'll say, oh yeah, okay. So they say, oh yeah, we have, and I'm like, oh great. So can I, t- you know, tell you a little bit about myself, and and I'll tell them, you know, I was born and raised, and where I was born and raised. Um, tell them a little bit about my background. And I'll let them know that that I'm currently, you know, an associate professor in, in at UBC and a scientist at, at BC Children's Hospital, um, and let them know that. You know why I'm doing it. What are my in, important issues about about changing how decisions are made, and and why I made the decision to run. You know, for the you know because I cared about you know my son's future. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know I'll I'll take a couple minutes and I'll ask them if they have any questions for me, and most of them won't because it kind of puts them on the spot, you know, like yeah. a, a social studies test. And then I'll say, have a great day or have a good night or whatever and move to the next one. So are there any questions that you wish you would hear? Um, no, you know, I, I maybe how do I vote? <laughs> like, I would just like to see people vote. Honestly. Um, we just, I think it's, it's just reflective of people's loss um, faith in, in exactly government and, and in in the process, and they don't really they don't really feel that that their vote matters or or whatever. Um, and I think that some of these changes that we've been talking about would would make people feel differently, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm. well, what I'm realizing more and more that the more people I talk to is that. Uh, government and the system even the flaws that it has right now it's it is accessible and it's there for us to use right and the fact is that it's gotten to be where it is because we haven't been involved with it right so what i want to do is get people educated and involved so that because there's so much we can do like going to silly councils, going to talk to the MLAs. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Like that you can go talk to your MLA and. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's really important. And, and so here's, here's another analogy. Um, so MLA is a public servant, right? And, and we're paying their salaries um, with our tax dollars. You right. Know? Like we're basically hiring them. So we could think of them. As we, our employees, we could think of them as our gardeners, you know, or, yeah. or the people who are mowing our lawns or, or whatever, right? That and, works well with the Green Party. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And honestly, if if we hired a gardener and and a person to lower, mow our lawn, and all they did 
was bicker at each other all day long and they didn't really do anything they just fought and maybe they rented out, yeah maybe they rented out our lawn as a parking space so they could get some <laughs> extra income like how long would we allow that you know <laughs> like we would we would not put up with that That's we, a would, good analogy. we would fire them after a week you know i don't even care how nice they are they might be like spectacular people they might to tell, do the job yeah it's like come on do your job man mow the freaking lawn like come on but yeah. yeah when they're in the legislature we're like oh doing something i guess well, i think we've separated ourselves from them but you're right it shouldn't be that way no i really no. like that that view on that all right well that was good um thanks for coming by yeah it's my pleasure um, i hope uh things go well for you and i'll see you around because i I'll be walking past your little, your little storefront there. And is there anything, lastly, you'd like to say to folks? No, just, yeah, ho- hopefully you get out to vote. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Just, just go vote. All right. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Chris Maxwell. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode with Green Party candidate Dr. Chris Maxwell. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you learned something new and useful once again. So from my ignorant viewpoint, I find uh, all of this pretty interesting and enlightening. He seemed to make a lot of sense to me, but I'll have to take a minute now and dig into things a bit more, get some clarification, hear what other parties have to say and what other candidates have to say, and we'll see where things are from there. I do want to point out here that the major parties do all have their full platforms online. And you can download them and read through all the fine print. So go out and find your talking points that they say, the sound bites that that get your attention, all those things, quote unquote, that draw you toward or maybe away from a party. Then go to their detailed platform on the website and see what it's actually all about. It might not be the same as what you think. So it's really good to get a full view of what they're saying what they're going to do. I will say one thing. Uh, The more I pay attention to all this, the more interesting things become. So, in the next episode, I have a bit of a whirlwind chat with Andrew Reeve. He blows my mind in this one. Um, He's a political science graduate from the University of Victoria, and he works in the WHIP's office as a political staffer at the legislature. But currently, for this election, he is the campaign manager for Esquimalt Machosen Liberal Candidate, and she's also the current Esquimalt Mayor, Barb Desjardins. hope I said that right. Anyway, it's a killer chat, and I learn a ton, and I'm going to have him on future episodes as well, where he can explain what he does at the WHIP's office in more detail. Uh... So that's it for now, guys. Um, Please drop by the website, www.governthis.ca and Facebook, facebook.com forward slash governthis, and let me know what you think. Um, Also, I'd love to hear some questions and topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes as well. I'm a little behind on the website for show notes, but I'll get to them eventually. I'm also in the process of setting up a way for folks to donate. Though I'm really, really enjoying doing this podcast, I'm learning a ton, and it's really fun meeting all these people. 
it's starting to take a lot of my time and a bit of chunk of money as well. So once I get a link up there for donations, any help would be incredibly appreciated. It would allow me more time, which would turn into more episodes, different types of episodes, and better and more frequent info and resources on the website. There's so much to learn about this topic, and the more I learn, the more I learn, there's more to learn. (laughs) And there's very few places to learn it. So I'm really excited to do the groundwork here for you guys and for us all to get a little more educated. I know that was a little longer than usual, but thanks for uh, dredging through it. You can shout out on Twitter at WeGovernThis, and you can email me at we at governthis.ca. So if you like what you heard and you think it's important, please share this with as many people as you can. Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever. Hopefully we can all become a little more aware and involved. So until next time, stay curious. Stay curious.